There is an admiral on board a battleship, and he sees a light in the distance, and he tells the ship that he thinks is coming towards him to alter their course by 10 degrees. He receives a message back, no, you alter your course by 10 degrees. And so he goes, the admiral sends a message saying, this is Admiral so-and-so, knowing it would strike fear into the heart of the seaman on the other ship, saying, this is Admiral so-and-so, you alter your course by 10 degrees. And the seaman radioed back, he said, this is Seaman Jones, first class. No, you alter your course by 10 degrees. Well, this time the admiral said to him, I'm a battleship. And the kid radioed back, I'm a lighthouse. Alter your course 10 degrees. <laughs> you know, a lot of times when we think about stories like that, we laugh, and it's easy to see how some people actually will come to believe that. But I want to talk to you about the lights of Christmas this morning and a few of my favorite things. One of the things I enjoy so much about Christmas is being able to just to walk through our subdivision. Some in our subdivision, they just do spectacularly in lighting up their house. I love going out for evening drives and looking at the Christmas lights. If you've not drove around some of our subdivisions and our neighborhoods around here, it's just beautiful to see how people decorate and the warmth and the light of Christmas. I can remember as a child being out in the country, how that we'd often go out at night, and, and there, there wasn't the decorations like we have today, the houses lit up, but there would be lights on a tree outside, there would be sparklers, does anybody remember those? You'd wave them around in the air and try to, oh, you, even you guys know about that, well, they, you'd try to write names with them and things of that nature, wish we had had iPhones back then so we could have captured all of that. But light is always associated with Christmas. And so out of respect for the word of the Lord, I'm going to ask you to stand for two passages of Scripture I'd like to read to you. The first comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, imagine the darkness Imagine the chaos, the confusion. Imagine the glory of God, because when you read the Spirit of the Lord, you know the glory of God is there. And the glory of God, or the Spirit of God, was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that, read it with me, the light was good. Say it again, the light was good. Then in the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 4, speaking about Jesus and identifying him as the Word, the apostle writes, the Word, or Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Would you read that verse with me this morning? The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Heavenly Father, I ask you in the next few minutes that you would speak to us about the lights of Christmas. Lord, the light that we carry within us as passionate followers of Jesus Christ. The light, Lord, that is not to be hid under a bushel, but Lord, is to be lifted up for all to see. And I pray, 
Lord, even right now, I pray for those that have not experienced the light, that, Lord, your light would penetrate whatever darkness, Lord, whatever false things that people are believing today will penetrate the darkness and bring the light and the power of God before their lives are shipwrecked, I pray. For it's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let there be light was the first sound of God's voice that we hear in the Bible. And I really never thought about it that way until I was preparing for this message. And if you do what I do when you're studying a topic in the Word of God, I'll go to, I used to go to my concordance, and now I go to Logos, and I just type in the search bar under topic, and I look up light, and I begin to read all of the references that I can find about light, created light, the uncreated light, which is the glory of God. And as I reflect upon those passages, it suddenly dawned on me that the very first words of God that we have spoken in the Bible is, let there be light. This week, Benjamin and I watched a documentary on a young man who has an Assemblies of God background, a young man that his mother was part of Chi Alpha, leader in Chi Alpha, and was murdered by a tribe of people that he was trying to reach for Christ. And we listened on this National Geographic documentary of how some people were very critical of him for even trying to go, and some people were, were trying to understand his motivations, and then there were a few that were talking about his heart. And I remember sitting there thinking, I would have loved to have had a young man. As a matter of fact, Corey, I think I mentioned to you this week, I would have loved to have had a young man with a heart like this for Jesus and a heart like this for lost people in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. And I would really love to have young people like that who have a heart for the Lord. What he lacked, what he lacked to the best of my ability of reading about his life and discernment was he lacked a mentor to really teach him how to go in a mission field. He lacked a, an organization, a mission-sending organization to partner with him like our missions organization in the Assemblies of God. He lacked the knowledge that Jesus said, when you go to unreached people groups like this, you never go alone, and you go when you can speak the language because he couldn't even speak the language of the people that he was trying to reach, and he ignored the laws of a nation that was not closed to evangelism and not closed to missions. I've been there and I preached in that nation. It was just simply that this was a dangerous place to be and there were laws about going there. Could they have been reached? Could they still be reached? I believe so. But it's real easy to pick apart maybe some of the foolish decisions he made but I often wonder, since I have watched that earlier this week with Ben, is how many people saw maybe his passion and thought, well, he's just too enthusiastic. How many people saw maybe his, his discipline to fast and to pray, to read his Bible, to share his faith, and maybe thought he was a fanatic? I would rather deal with a little wildfire than no fire any time of my life. I would rather deal with people who are trying to go after the heart of God because something about the light of Christmas 
When you understand who Jesus is and what he's all about, you just simply don't make Jesus a part of your life to make you more comfortable. You make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you say to him, Lord, whatever you want me to do, that I'll be willing to do. That's the call of passionate followers of Christ. We'll give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Light does characterize Christmas because it brings to us the warmth of knowing God, of knowing that there is a God, that God exists and that God has a purpose and that there is only one God. And it brings, light brings the warmth of knowing that that God exists and he has a purpose for your life. We're having some guests over today, and I was out splitting some firewood while it was still sunny and dry, so we'd have a, be able to build a fire when they come to see us later this evening. And, and while I was splitting that fire, I was, I was splitting that wood, I was thinking about the message and what the message means and the warmth of the fire, and I was like, oh, God, let the fire of the Spirit burn in our hearts and bring light to our lives. And as I stood there splitting that wood, you just have to know what a preacher is like. A preacher never misses an opportunity to think through something that might make a good point in a sermon. I stopped for just a few moments, and I put my splitting wedge down, and I began to think about how light, and I wrote these down, light brings hope. Have you ever thought about that? When you want to communicate there's hope, you go, there's a light at the end of the... You all know that. Because in the Bible, as I went back inside and I sat down and I put in my Logos, and I'm not advertising Logos, but I'm telling you, you need to take advantage of these tools that we have, whether it's Bible online or whatever you use. But I put light, I mean hope, in the search bar. And again, it was interesting how often hope was associated with light in the Bible. I went back outside and began to split some more wood, and then I thought how dark it would be, how dark a life would be, how dark your future would be, how dark your present must be if you don't have the hope that only Jesus Christ can bring into your life. Amen. This week a man came to me, nicely dressed in a suit. I didn't know him, but he wanted to talk to me for a few minutes. And he says, Pastor Clanton, I have a friend that died, and he died without ever giving his heart to Jesus. And he says, you talk about that all the time. He said, I just don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with the fact, listen, that there's no more hope. You see, what Jesus brings into our life is not only a hope for this life and a hope for our children and our grandchildren and a hope for our community and our nation, but Jesus brings to us the hope for all eternity that God not only has a plan in this life for us, but God has a place and a purpose for us for all eternity. And passionate followers of Christ never, never, never give up on the promises of God. Can you say amen to that? Passionate followers of Christ hold to the promises of God. We cling to the promises of God. 
The early church had clung to the promise of the virgin birth of Jesus. They had clung to the promise of the location of his birth. The Jewish people had expected it for a thousand years. And those very scriptures that we sing about, O little town of Bethlehem, do you know that in the book of Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 that that was predicted where the Messiah would be born? Did you know that Isaiah predicted that a virgin would conceive and bear a child? Did you know that so many of the circumstances like the Bethlehem star was predicted in the book of Numbers? We do not give up on the promises of God. Even though they tarry, we still trust God. We always do. And there are some of you here in this room, I know, I, I've lived life with you. I've watched you as you've lived your life. Some of you, you've waited a long time before a promise of God was fulfilled in your life. Some of you, you claimed a promise from God and it was fulfilled right away. And some of you today, you are still waiting on the promise of God. But you have scripture to stand on. You have the word of God to stand on. You have the spirit of the Lord inside of you. Passionate followers never, never give up on the promises of God. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? And in Advent, and what I love about this season is that Advent tells me that Jesus is coming back. He came the first time, and he will come again. Sometimes people ask me questions like, do you think what's happening in Israel is a predictor of the imminent return of Christ? Listen, I think that everything that's happening in our world is a prediction of the imminent return of Christ. But my parents expected that. My grandparents expected that. I'm going to live like there's going to be 500 more years, but I'm also going to live like Jesus Christ could come before this day is over. That's how soon I expect him to return. We plan for the future. We live planning for the future. We work for the future, but we live ready for his return. And the promises of God tell us something else. Jesus is our shepherd. And because Jesus is our shepherd, we dwell securely. How many of you feel secure? Can I see your hand this morning? You feel secure. I do. I, I ask myself this question. Do I feel secure physically? Do I feel secure emotionally? Do I feel secure spiritually? You know, one of the things that I've, as most of you know, I've had over 40 major surgeries. And the last few times that I've gone in for a surgery, they'll always come in and ask me, says, do you feel secure at home? I say, have you seen my wife? She's the sweetest thing this side of heaven, you know? They go, well, do you feel any threat? And I says, no, I am secure. I am secure in Christ. I'm eternal. Can I tell you how I'm secure in Christ? They go, well, no, I have to keep doing this right here. Listen, when Jesus is your shepherd, you will dwell securely. When I was a child, I was afraid of doctors. Anybody like me in that? I was afraid of doctors. Now as an adult, I'm afraid of doctor's bills. Do you understand what I'm saying there? How life changes. Somebody told me the other day, he says, when I was a child, I had nightmares. I had dreams that frightened me. And I said, I know so many people, though, that they're frightened by the fact they're living with unfulfilled dreams. I sat journaling about this this week, and I began to realize how secure 
And how blessed we as a congregation truly are because Jesus Christ is our peace. Luke 2.32 says that Jesus is a light to reveal God to the nations. And you don't have to be an admiral. You don't even have to be a seaman third class or first class or whatever he was. But you see, Woodland is at its best when we're a lighthouse. Woodland is at its best when we're a lighthouse. When we're shining Jesus to the nations, when people can see the light of the glory of God. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Where he says, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. By opening up to others, you will prompt. What is Christmas all about but giving? Last week, we looked at the Christmas tree and how that we exchange gifts under the tree because God gave us Jesus. We look at the Christmas tree decorated with its lights and its holly and its bows because those are symbols of the fruitfulness that God brings in our life. But it's all made possible because a tree was stripped and the branches were taken away and an old rugged cross was made out of it. Jesus was on the cross so that your lives and my lives become a lit up, decorated, fruitful tree that shines the light of the glory of God to all the nations. That's what Christmas is about. It's the reason Isaiah says that he was despised, that people looked down upon him because he was stripped and crucified naked for you and me in order that our lives might be fruitful. And if you remember, I had you fill out this sentence. Jesus was treated as though he had done everything I had ever did in order that I could be treated as though I had done everything he did. That's not difficult to understand. It's difficult to receive because we know we don't deserve it. But if God gave each of us what we deserved, each of us would bust hell wide open. He's a good God. Can you say amen? So let me give you just a few things real quickly here. Jesus Christ is the promised light of the world. Our world needs light. Our world needs understanding. I prayed for you from Colossians chapter 1, and one of the things that uh, Paul prays there is that you will walk in the light. The light is the knowledge of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, here's another prophecy of Jesus being the light of the world. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And maybe you're watching, maybe you're here this morning, and there's been darkness that you've been experiencing, but God wants to bring light into your world. In John chapter 12 and verse 46, Jesus said, I am the light that has come into the world, and no one who has faith in me will stay in the dark. Look right here for just a second, please. If you are dark in your understanding, if you are dark in, in, in your hope, in your peace, even if you're a Christian this morning, it's time for a trip back to the altar to wait before the Lord and to say to him, Lord, I'm in a dark place. 
Recently, somebody asked me a question about my future, and I just simply looked at them, and I says, right now, I'm kind of lights out on that. I'm kind of dark on that. My, that's not even where my mind is at at this moment. I, I know it's something I've got to think about, but that's not where my thoughts and my mind and my drive is at right now. So I began to share with them what my thoughts were. And I said, but when that time comes... Listen, when that time comes and I have to address that, then the promise that I have is that Christ is a light in my life and he will guide me each and every step of the way. I can testify to you that not one good promise of God has ever failed in my life. Not one single good promise has ever failed. When you look at me, you write in your mind, the promises of God have been fulfilled and his life. Can we give him a hand of praise for that today? That's what happens when the light of Christmas comes into your heart. Jesus is the light that defeats the darkness. And every battle that you and I face that the dark powers of hell come against us with, we come against that in overcoming faith and power. In John chapter 1 and verse 5, the lifelight blazed out of the darkness and the darkness couldn't put it out. What's he saying? Satan, the devil, demons, hell, the world, nothing can defeat the work of God in your life. Nothing can. I still read some of you won't even know who I'm talking about. Some of you will. Does anybody remember a singing group by the name of the Spear family? If you do, raise your hand. That's what I thought. Very few of you. I was just a baby. But I remember Pop Spear, if you knew them, he took off his shoe and he held it up. And Oh, my goodness, I need to get some new soles. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Let me get another shoe. <laughs> I'm not turning that to the camera. This one doesn't have a hole in it. That one doesn't have a hole. It's just wearing a hole. But Pop Spear had wrote a message to the day. He'd written a Bible verse across his shoe. And by writing that Bible verse across his shoe, it was a, something from God that he was claiming in a battle they were facing. And he wrote a little song called Write a Message to the Devil on the Bottom of Your Shoe. Some of you need to understand this. The devil is defeated. Some people give way too much credit to the devil. When Jesus died at Calvary, he defeated that punk. When Jesus died at Calvary, he defeated your enemy. When he rose from the dead, Martin Luther said he was nothing but God's dog on a chain. God is in control. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? So somebody asked Luther, well, says, well how come then we get attacked by the devil so much? He says, because you get too close to the chain. You don't want to get bit by the dog. Stay away from where he's chained up at. Passionate followers of Christ keep both feet in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Number three, Jesus Christ is the light of the glory of God. And today when we watched, boy, Declan has really made a name for himself in this service today. His dad was chasing him around, but my best moment was when he rolled over backwards. He saw Jesus and just went over backwards like those guys did in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
He hit the deck. Well, the shepherds were in the fields near Bethlehem watching their flock during the night, and an angel from the Lord suddenly appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord filled the area with light, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Today, your Savior Christ the Lord was born in David City, and this is how you will recognize him. You will find an infant wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, and suddenly a large company or army of angels appeared with the angels, or with the angel, and they were praising God, saying, say it with me, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth to those who have his good will. Notice this. Let's go to the Bethlehem would see what the Lord has told us about. And they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph with the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him. You know what I love about this? When people really encounter God, when they encounter the glory of God, when it's not about, Lord, give me a new car, give me a new house, Lord, give me this, give me that. But when people encounter God, the glory of God, they want to obey quickly. And they want to go and see for themselves. I don't want to just hear about other people's experience with the light of God. I want the light in my heart as well. And then they go out of that place and they just can't help themselves. They got to tell everybody. Recently I was having lunch with a Jewish friend of mine and he invited me to a Jewish restaurant. So we got to the restaurant, and it was, it was nice. It was, it was pretty cool to be the only Gentile in a place full of, of Jews. And, and everybody, it's the first time in my life I ever felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb, you know. Everybody was looking at me, and I was greeting them. And, and so when it came time to, to, to have our meal, he says, come with me. We're going to the washing station. And we went to the washing station in, in a Jewish restaurant. There's a place where you go, and there's a picture where you do the ceremonial washing of your hands. But he said this. He says, now, before, before when you finish washing your hands, we always put a piece of bread in our mouth. And he says, after you do it, I'll explain to you why. So we did the ceremonial washing, and then we put the piece of bread in our mouths. It was in a dispenser. You rolled a little knob, and you got, it was basically a crouton, good crouton. And uh, <clears throat> I put the crouton in my mouth. Oh, after we washed our hands, we prayed, blessed be, the, blessed be thou, O Lord God of the universe, who doth bring forth bread and fruit from the earth. And then you put the bread in your mouth, and you chew it up. And he says, do you know why we put the bread in our mouth? I go, no. He says, so that we won't talk, that we have to take a moment to think about the God who gives us the bread we eat. So this afternoon, when you go to have your Sunday lunch, when you go to have your fried chicken, God's gift to all human beings, <laughs> except for Paul Gorky. <laughs> God's gift that we receive joyfully. After you pray, put a piece of bread in your mouth and thank God before you dive in like a bunch of Gentiles would. 
Because as you think upon him, Jesus Christ becomes the guiding light. He guides our footsteps. Let's look at Matthew 2 and verse 9. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now you ask yourself, how did these three wise men, and we don't know that it was three, we say three because of the three gifts, the myrrh, the frankincense, and the gold. We say three because of the gifts. How did they know? The only reason these Persian men would have known is because of the Word of God. And in the diaspora where the Jews were exiled to, the, to Babylon, there were copies of the Torah that were left behind. There were copies of the Torah for Jews that <coughs> did not leave. And these Persian wise men began to study the Torah. And all they had was the prophets, the books of the law, some of the wisdom books. What they did is they studied that and they saw that, that these, these, one day there would be a Savior to rise. And so however it happened, I, I don't know, <coughs> I don't pretend to know, but however it happened, they connected what the book of Numbers says, that a star will arise in the east. Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob, and a scepter will emerge from Israel. People who will not give up on the promises of God will perceive things that other people will never understand. They will make decisions that other people will never understand. Should John, the young man that was featured in the documentary that I was talking about, should he have gone to that island? I don't think so. I don't question his motives. I don't question his intent. I don't question his purity of his heart. I don't question his sacrifices. I would have been honored to have had a young man like him. But what he needed was a godly mentor. What he needed was a man or a group of men to come around him and to acknowledge and recognize the call to missions, the gift of God upon his life, and the anointing of God upon his life, and to say to him, you can go many different ways, but if you will follow the word of God, and if you will trust the counsel of church leaders, you can get there and be successful and be fruitful. Some people die. Some people have tragedies simply because they ignore the light that is there. And if three Persians, Iranians, three Persians that we believe are astrologers could perceive the promises of God from the book of Numbers, how much more can you and I, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have the complete Bible, we should be able to perceive what God is doing in our day because Jesus, as John 8, 12 says, is the light of the world. We do not live in darkness and we do not stumble in darkness. Can we give him a hand of praise for that today? And I love that last phrase, for the living light will flood your path. Read that with me. For the living light will flood your path. Before I broke my ankle, I walked into this sanctuary fearlessly. I knew where every pew was. 
I knew where every table was. I knew where the, everything was. After I broke my ankle, I became a little more cautious. So I would walk a little slower when I was in here praying. Yesterday, I was in the sanctuary praying, and I turned out all the lights, and in a few minutes, I realized I can't pray for being afraid. <laughs> I'm going to bump something and break something again. So I walked right back there, and I turned on those lights going out to the door just so I could see. And it was amazing. Listen, it was amazing how much more confidently I could walk through and pray and lay hands on these pews, on these instruments, on this pulpit, on the children's ministries area, and pray for God's blessings. So let me give you some growth work. Then the band is going to sing and lead us. First of all, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or you'll pardon me for being real bold when I say this, if you're a lukewarm Christian, I mean, you, you claim to be Christian, but you know you're not really following Christ. Turn to God's light that's in Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, God is light, and there's no darkness in him at all. And then secondly, I, I hope that you'll be like me. I've been walking with the Lord for a long, long time. But just as I prayed for you this morning, I want to grow in my knowledge of the Lord. I want to grow in the light and knowledge of God. And during the prayer service last night, I looked at Becky and I said, it's amazing how much I'm still learning about you after all these years. It's still amazing how much I learn about some of you, even though we've known each other for over two decades. There's still more to Christ than what you and I have come to know. There's still more to knowing God. And this is a pale comparison, and I hope you not, don't think I'm being maudlin. I was recently asked a question, have you ever been tempted to stray from your marriage vows? And I go, no, that doesn't mean I've never been tempted. It doesn't mean I've never seen anyone pretty. I said, it doesn't mean my wife has never seen someone handsome. I don't know how they could be more handsome than me, but I don't, I'm sure she's seen someone else handsome. I said, but tempted to stray from my marriage vows? Never. I can't begin to describe to you the depth of love I have for her, the depth of love I have for my children, the depth of love I have for my church and all the young people that I've served through the years and my community that I live in, but above all, my love for Jesus. So it's why in the book of Ephesians, the apostle says, I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He's called. Live confidently. Be flooded with light. Third, enjoy 
and just enjoy what it means to live in the kingdom of light. This sanctuary, when it's dark, this is like my second home. I come in here and I've met God so many, and I know for many of you, maybe that's not true because maybe you're here only once a week. But I've met God so many times in this sanctuary. But yesterday in the dark, I found myself hesitating to move and my prayers being hindered. Light changes everything. And suddenly when the light came on, I was aware that there was flowers up here on the platform. I was aware that there was a manger that I would have fell into if I'd have been walking. I was aware of so much. When you are living in Jesus, you become aware of the beauty of the world. This world is a wonderful place. Don't you love looking at those pictures of it from space when they call it that big blue marble? This is your home. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and I'm going to pray for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just listen to this last verse. The Father who has made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us out of the darkness and the gloom of Satan's kingdom and has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Before I pray for you, God has made you fit through the blood of Christ. It's not that we deserve, it's that God has made you fit. And secondly, God has brought you into the kingdom of light of his dear son. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I invite this congregation to reach their hands up to you like trees and plants reaching to the sun to grow. Lord, we reach to you to grow today. I ask you, Lord, to help us cast aside that we have to do something to earn your blessings. You have made us fit for the kingdom. You have made us kingdom ready through the blood of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, that you would make us indeed a lighthouse. God, that people will open up their lives to you because we open up their lives to them. And I pray anyone right now who's hurting, that God, your light would begin to heal them of their diseases. Lord, I pray for those who are in a place of emotional or mental darkness. I pray the light of your presence, Lord, will bring to them the confident hope that they have in Christ. And I pray for those whose souls are still darkened, that the blazing light of the glory of God, that through a star led three Persian men to worship Jesus, that brought shepherds to worship Jesus, I pray that right now they'll open their hearts and lives to you. And if that's you, 
Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came into this world to save me from my sins. And I'm tired of the kingdom of darkness and gloom. And I ask you to come into my life and translate me into the kingdom of light where you reign supreme. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated, guys.